As we listen, right, it's awesome. I feel it in my fingers. In my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Feel it in my toes. Yeah. Christmas is all around me. All around and me. so the feeling grows. It's written in the wind. How are you, mate? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, mate. Oh, that is so good. I actually watched that the other night, and Love Actually is a great film. It's a great film. Isn't it? I seem to, yeah, I've watched that numerous times. I thought that was a cracking film, actually. Yeah, some. Somebody said recently that they'd been a post on Facebook saying the 10 reasons why Love Actually is not a crap film. And I hadn't heard anybody banging mm-hmm. it out before, but apparently some people don't like it. But it's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's such a feel-good film, except for obviously a couple yeah, of storylines a little bit. Poor old Emma Thompson's character. Yes, that's a little bit... Uh, it kind of finishes out sort of okay in the end, but... I just like the reality of it. It was good. Yeah, it's really good. And so, mate, if you love Christmas, come on and let it snow. Uh, and you're in Maine. I'm here in Australia. It is presently Shh. cracking 33 degrees Celsius. And uh, I'm excited to have our, our last podcast for the year, I guess, isn't it? Mate, well, it's a cracking 33 degrees here yes, too. Fahrenheit. <laughs> <It's> Fahrenheit. <laughs> Which is zero. Is it snowing there? That's, no, it's not. It's snow. We got a flurry today. It's coming. Oh, man. Um, Christmas in the in the winter is so nice. Like when mm-hmm. I've been in Europe, oh, it's so enchanted. In Australia, Christmas isn't enchanted. It's you just cope. Yeah, there's a guy named Barry in a Santa Claus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's wearing singlet and shorts. Ah. Um, yeah, so it's like it is the end of the year. We just come out pretty quick, and mm-hmm. it feels like yesterday we did this episode for 2014. And what a year, though! Mate. Oh my gosh, my year's been epic. Yeah. Come on, say it. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's like it got a yeah, it has been epic, but it. It's been um, it's been a little bit 
as awesome as it's been, it's a little bit it's been a little bit like uh being in a in the ocean when you're trying to cope with the waves and another one comes in. Like so as listeners would know, every year I like to spend January just thinking through my goals and just just pottering around on them and just letting them mature and then getting clear and then and then the year sort of having a theme. Well, you know, great plan, Dobson. But last January, I had two emer- oh, emergency, you know, two unplanned trips in January and January got written off. And they were, I was doing awesome stuff. I was in Ireland for seven days and I was in Vietnam for nearly three weeks. But I just felt like I never got to clearly think through what I want to do this year. As a result, I'm now engaged. (laughs) 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 Um, And, you know, it is good when there's that, um, you know, life can bring you things far better than you can ever plan. But, you know, in this conversation about, well, looking back on our year, sometimes I can just really look back at some clear things that I wanted to get involved in and, and so, yep, 70% of those I sort of ticked off. This year, there really even isn't that list or that clarity. It's um, it, it's, a, it's a completely different year. Well, if I listen back a little bit, which I did uh, to that previous episode we did last New Year's, you know, in a lot of ways you're sort of reflecting on last year and you're talking about how you didn't get things, particular tasks done the way you'd hope like recording some additional books or getting some books written and you're sort of wrapping up working on your brand i i think it's been a pretty exciting year to watch you kind of go through the year and just how much you've been living like you've been traveling a lot and doing all kinds of exciting stuff and then yeah obviously you got engaged which is super exciting as I reflect on your year, like I'm thinking of all these places you were telling me about. You went from going sailing in the wet Sundays a few weeks ago. You went to Thailand. You went to Iceland. You went to Ireland. You America, did all these Bali. amazing things. Yeah, this is right. And then last time this year, when we were talking about this, you were sort of we were reflecting on that blog post you did about experience being far more important than achieving. Uh, you know, if if life is a journey, then it should be about experiences along the way. And I reckon you've had a cracking year. Mm, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's nice to hear you reflect on that, actually, and see that because, yeah, sometimes when you're in in it, like I was talking to B about when we watched Love Actually the other night and those guys that made that film, all the people involved, they bring – so much joy. Like at the end of that film, I just felt so heartened. And the people that made that film would have no idea that in this little house in Port Melbourne, Australia, <laughs> there's a couple of people watching a film and it's just, it's heartwarming. But they could be doing anything right now. They could just be fighting with loved ones. They could be unemployed. They could be, um, you know, grappling with illness. And yeah, and they and their their view of their life and our view of their life would be different. Um, so when you say that stuff, that's interesting to reflect on because also you said about the books. I um I produced a lot of content this year. I produced, recorded one, two, three, six, six, twelve, about oh, twenty five hours of audio book content 
broken up in different things and about several hours of video content, which I'd planned to do the year before, but this year it happened, which I didn't recognize till you said that just then. Um, Plus whatever, 20-odd hours of podcasting. Yeah, so, and look, you know, and the vision is to die leaving behind a body of work, and that's well underway and feels good. It never feels quite done. <laughs> Better be careful how you phrase that one. The vision is to die. <laughs> well underway on that. Well underway. Yeah, I got um, the vision. Yeah, I got the productivity right. Um, yeah, that's interesting when you say it, like, when you see it like that, because I hadn't, I wouldn't have assessed this year as being that successful. I think it was because it felt a bit reactionary the whole year. Even though I was doing these awesome trips, there was just so many new things to get my head around. Like, separate to the stuff we talked about, we we also shifted three houses this year. So, like, family and loved ones had to pack up houses and, and get out of places they loved. And they're epic projects, those things. And so I moved a lot of boxes this year. We've talked about this before about productivity and how we associate self-worth to it. And I look at the year and I always want to do more. You know, at what point do you feel really satisfied? And, you know, you can have low expectations and you feel satisfied because you didn't really hope for anything. You know, like I'm very lucky that house I live in and the property I own and I don't have any debt anywhere. I've got, you know... Bought a new car this year as well. <laughs> you know, and, but I'm very aware that from the outside, people could hear that. And it sounds like I got everything right. Three and a half months of travel, new car, engaged, um, blah, 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 blah. Productivity, books, etc. But they're just things. Like, oh, no, the experience is a... Sometimes the experience of that was actually quite difficult, you know, and... I find myself, because I'm fairly happy with my year, um, just it's been a really significant year. Um, but I think sometimes we tend to look for feedback as the thing that's the determining factor. At least I'm wondering if I'm thinking that in my mind. Like, even though the feedback is there and it's positive, if it's not a groundswell of positive feedback, it doesn't feel like it was significant enough. And I'm, I'm wondering whether, because I tell myself it's not the dollar signs. Look, I feel like I'm genuine in saying that I don't feel like that's what the motivating factor would be. Because I, I really do feel like if, if I'd have made $10 million this year, but there wasn't much impact to show for like new relationships and people that built excitement around whatever that came from, then I I don't know that it would just feel like an amazing year. It would just feel like lucky or it would just feel like potentially boring. Well, I didn't mention on the podcast before, certainly you're aware of it, but I started a new company and this happened about October actually earlier than that, but um, I was sort of really interested in a new technology and this technology is called phase change material and it's, it's in the energy world, but it's really in everyday life. So it's, it's just like, 
you know how you take a drink out of the refrigerator, you put it outside, it's just going to increase in temperature, obviously, on a really hot day. If you put it in a cooler and you put the top on the cooler and seal it nice and tight, it will slow the increase in temperature. That's what insulation and air sealing does. But if you put phase change material inside the cooler, which is the ice, as the ice melts, it absorbs heat and stops the temperature from going up until it's completely melted. And then if you imagine it was freezing overnight, it would absorb, uh, it would release that heat that it had absorbed and keep the temperature at 30 to warm the cooler to 32 degrees while it's really cold outside. So you lost me on a step there. So if we put that water in, that cold water in in a cooler or an esky, like a something insulated, are you saying the phase change material goes is the cooler is made of the phase change material or is you talking about putting phase change instead of water, putting it in the cooler? I, I missed the step. No. So, yeah. So ice, ice is phase change material. Ice or water, water changes its state, which is a phase change at 32 or zero degrees Celsius. So at that point where it begins to melt any material, as it begins to melt, it absorbs heat until it's completely melted and completely turned into a fluid. And until that point, it's it's maintaining the same temperature of, in the case of water, 32 degrees or zero Celsius. And then if you imagine it was in a climate where it was freezing overnight, then it would heat the cooler at zero degrees or 32 degrees Fahrenheit, even though it could be negative 10 degrees outside until it's completely turned to ice. And so any material does this. And so I got involved in this company now that we make phase change materials for buildings that freeze and melt at room temperature so that as a room tries to get hot, it absorbs heat and melts and then it freezes when it gets cooler overnight and it just keeps the room at the same temperature all the time. So anyway, I got involved in this new new company. And that's been a fast-moving process and moving into some rapidly expanding territory that I've, you know, I've got other business partners. They're far more seasoned than I am, really well-connected. And so I just noticed like a couple of weeks ago, we went to a trade show that I think I was telling you about in D.C. And it was like explosive compared to anything else I've ever done with a trade show. I mean, we're just so busy. And I noticed that even though there wasn't revenue associated with that excitement, it just felt good because it felt like uh, not so much that we're on. I mean, obviously, it felt like we were onto something. It, it bred excitement, but just it was as though that feedback made a difference to the whole outlook of what's going on. It felt like the whole thing wasn't even real even though we'd been working for three months until we actually like put it in front of people and then began getting this flurry of excitement around it. Um, and so that's where that observation came from. I was like, well, I'm not saying I've never had that before, but quite honestly, I haven't had that kind of level of excitement for a long time around something I'm working on. I'll get it individually. I might get it from clients. I might get it from, you know, small communities, but not just like generally, you know, random people coming out going, this is amazing, you know, um, you know, not since 
doing stuff related to camp and, and, and programs I was running with you. It was exciting to hear you when you spoke about that. So, like, Mick and I talked about this about well, only about a week or so ago. And, uh, you know, it was really exciting to, to hear you running something that was new. It was bigger than you because it's multiple people. And it, as soon as you mentioned it at a, at a trade show where before you got zero attention on other things, you were getting bombarded with interest. And you had a, a stall down the, you know, down the boom docks. Really, like it was right down the end where no traffic would actually go unless they actually went and sought you out. And it was really interesting to hear that excitement. And I was really excited for you. And I guess that's where I would say this year hasn't been that successful. Is that? And it's interesting that I would say that because there's so much good stuff going on. My life's so much better. But I am instinctively measuring it around business productivity, really, and contribution and impact and that sense of um, how many people am I, yeah, like you, how many people are interested in this, are reaching this, and is it, gr- is it growing? What's the growth? Because it seems like somehow if you're talking productivity, you feel most productive when the money's flowing or the revenues are strong and the revenues tend to be strongest when there's the most amount of appreciation. Yeah. I've, I've been reflecting on the year in the same sort of way. Um, I feel like last year we were having conversations about, you know, I felt like for me it was all about like moving into things that I was less comfortable with. Um, and you know the the I've undergone some massive changes in my work life in the past twelve months, and that's been really gratifying. And starting to like take some ideas of life path that we had as a family twelve months ago that are now they're not like in action, but they're um, like the the ball is beginning to turn, sort of thing. You know, taking things like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we can do this? Or do you think we can do this in the next few years? And getting to the point where you're actually, you know, looking things up and making decisions about those things, um, which is which is good. I feel like that's another measure of progress, not so much success, but just like, okay, you know, it's good, something to be grateful for. Mm. Um, but I think that's the, it is something to be grateful for, but. You know, the art is, it's a funny thing, life. Like, there's a dance between being grateful and just for what you've got, but also seeking to grow and, and therefore noticing something that is to be created and knowing how to create that. And actually, that's an interesting way to put it because. If you look at the stuff that you, the, the success, the early success you're having with this business, you've sort of discovered how to create it. I guess there's some aspects of the things that I want to create and do. I haven't quite discovered how to create it. And I think that that would apply to everybody in some aspect of their life. You know, and it's interesting how much that, you know, just to hear us have this conversation, hear how much that impacts my assessment of the year where my capacity for for relationship, not just with B, but in a whole lot of areas, has really skyrocketed. Um, hmm. And you talked about that this time last year, that 
to grow your capacity for love and to leave behind a body of work was basically the two key key indicators you're talking about. Um, it's interesting. Like I haven't listened back to that episode. Uh, yeah, but isn't it interesting? Like that's where that's a large reason for writing things down, like your goals. Sometimes it's it's for clarity, but it's also so that you can have it reflected back to you like this and have. Well, this is obviously a really unique way of doing it. I've never, you know, we're probably both never been through, and it's interesting to listen back to your own tone of voice and your ideas and kind of reflecting on what you're actually going through at the time. Because, you know, when I write down goals, I don't remember if I'm reading back, well, where did I write that? What was going on in my life at the time? It's harder to sort of maintain grasp on that. There's something I'd like to have less in my life next year. Um, and before I get to that, I wanted to ask you if there's anything in your life right now, maybe this could be too close to home, but that is exhausting that you'd like to be able to not have next year. Because there are some things that have exhausted me this year. And they're usually... um, when I can't be in my genius. So uh, we've talked about it before where there's, there's tasks that you can do. Some, you can just do them, but they're really hard work for you. And there's sometimes some tasks that you're incompetent at, but you have to do them. And some tasks you're quite good at, but there are some tasks that you're really good at. It might be hard, but you're really good at it. It's hard, but if anybody else was trying, they just wouldn't even come close to getting the outcome that you get. Yeah, that's a really good question because I, I just got off the phone from a school that wants me to come and speak next year and I'm already booked in and someone 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 else has taken over and they said to me, well, what do you talk to the kids about? So, and usually I just take a brief, but I, I did point out one of the things I is a strength that I go into a schools is I, I point out to the kids the mistakes they're making that's not allowing them to do the actions that's going to help them the most. Uh, tiny errors they don't even know they're doing and so that you can recognise the the moment to change your behaviour can you uh, to go into death but like what what do you mean by that what's an example so for example is that if a kids are in a a 50 minute period so a class 50 minute class I say how they don't even know it but they've actually got a time goal in the class not a knowledge goal and so for the first five to seven minutes it's just set up time and then there's 20 minutes of the teacher saying all right let's read from the top of chapter eight and then there's the then then she says or he says let's do questions one to 14 and so there's another three or four minutes of setup time and then the 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 last 10 minutes of the the class is pack-up time and you're just trying to fall into pack-up time which means you only got about seven minutes of productivity or something yeah, there's other times when you go into class and you've just, you really focus, you don't even know how it happens, it's accidental, but you've actually got a knowledge goal and the teacher says, let's do questions one to 14 and you're on it and you can see that it's possible to get the questions done before you leave class to not have to do them at home. And the distinction is a time goal compared to a knowledge goal. And the kids don't realize they've got time and all of us have time goals everywhere. Like people get paid to work from nine to five. Even if you're you know, we've talked about this before. Even if you're not doing any work, you just sort of fluff around and fill it out. So, 
part, a lot of making progress on something is recognizing what not to do or the moment where the new decision uh, is it's time to make the new decision, you know, recognize when to, when to put it in. So your question then about well, fatiguing, um, that's really good. I think I might workshop that. And then, yeah, I, I don't know if I don't know if I want to think it out loud. What, what's, did you have some thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I find I'm exploring the idea of my role in work in having a company, I've had my own company for going on eight years, had a partner for the first few, always had people around me involved in that, but nobody that really owns it, you know, has to, you know, and, and so it hasn't felt lonely. It's just more that I've never really had people to bounce stuff off of no one to really share the burden with. And sometimes I think that's become quite taxing because I feel like I've gotten to this point where last couple of projects um, that we did, I just started feeling like my I was getting foggy, like my decision-making. I, I, I was like really pushing out, like trying to innovate some stuff on some projects. And so I was already having to do things that had never been done anyway. And some things didn't work out perfectly. There could have been done better. And I found myself like just being really brutal on myself for doing things what I thought were wrong when they're really not even wrong. Um, and... I've found it quite refreshing to work with other people and I'm working, you know, in this new company, I'm working with other folks that are, have been working, developing and running businesses for decades and, and very well connected people. And, uh, I definitely have a certain thing I bring to the table, which is this sort of level of clarity about what we're trying to do and, messaging and taking what somebody's trying to do and put something together to support that so that when they're talking to other people that it makes sense. Um, but I'm working around some real visionaries and people that just seem to know how to make contacts and, and, and just push things forward in, in a way that I've not been exposed to before. So it's been refreshing to kind of be in, the, in in sort of second in command, so to speak. And that's actually a role I quite enjoy. Um, I don't need to be up front. I've never really enjoyed wanting to be in that role. I've always just enjoyed being part of building the vision, but more uh, and not so much even executing it, but just sort of helping take the idea and develop it out a little bit and, and share it with other people so that other people can get clarity on it. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like this slightly different role where I don't have this responsibility of just like having to think about the vision and execute it. That for me, I'm wondering if that's exhausting and, um, yeah, yeah it's exhausting at this end. It's like, I love that song, that song by the Hoodoo Gurus. Um, the opening line is working for yourself. Sometimes, sometimes ain't all that it's cracked up to be. It's as lonely as the top 
as it is at the bottom of the copper tree. And there's this, there's this freedom in working for yourself. And I love it. Um, but really, anybody that works themselves will know that nothing happens unless they do it. When you're, especially if you're in a service industry. So really, I'm in a service industry. Um, and, and it works great, but there's you know, one of my uh, passions is to, is to now do what I'm doing or build, build something much bigger. And I've got some really good directions for that next year. But to go bigger, it requires a different foundation. And I like what you're saying there about having, um, you know, you're working with people who bring different skill sets that you haven't seen before. That's what I, that's what's on the radar for next year is to have unique partnerships that, um, and really it's about being associated with people who are much smarter than you or have a completely different capacity. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's an interesting way of languaging it. I would say the same thing and like in terms of surrounding myself with people that are way more uh but just have a different capacity. Not they're not necessarily way more intelligent or anything. They've just got a different capacity is a really good way to put it. So you get this like window of the world that becomes all of a sudden different. I like that, but I'm also aware that um I don't necessarily know that I would be able to spot that if it slapped me in the face, <laughs> meaning I just, I feel like I, I just happened to make the right couple of decisions with, to continue to, Oh, I guess I did just like, there was one individual in particular that I, I just like had this sense that this guy's onto something and it's like ground level. If I get involved and in, in support what he's trying to do, this could really go somewhere. And this guy seems to be, and so I guess there isn't a, a level of that, but I found I've met more and more people that I was like, uh, I don't know if this is the right fit. I don't know if this person is who they say or who this person says they are. And then the more I get to know these people, I'm like, holy cow, these, these people are amazing. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, that, that didn't come from me pursuing these new relationships, like a new business relationships, whatever that I thought would just fluff out. And they you know, they turn into something astounding. I'm like, holy cow. Obviously I didn't have the vision for that. Um, See, what you're talking about is like I talk about in Rise Above where it's, where I say, it's, it's like you're trying to recognize a color you've never seen before and you can't really conceive it. Uh, yet, yeah, there's something about the people that you met that you're like, oh, there's something plausible here. And then as you get into it, you discover um, a richness that wasn't conceived. And so like that you couldn't conceive. And I've often said that about friends. I'm sure we've said it before on the podcast where like if I had have invented the perfect friend, I would never have invented people like you and Brad and Ryan and and uh, and whoever like you know Dan Damon, Broner, ML, all these people like you just you just don't because they they come into your world and they bring a richness that you're not anticipating. And I think it's I think it's important for people to know the journey to where you got to this where where this business has started to happen where you've got some really interesting partnerships and you've got a product that people are fascinated by, 
and you've got this momentum, you've got this good sense of team happening. Like I saw you this year spend a huge amount of time uh, pondering what the next move was for your business. Like you were exploring all different types of uh, opportunity for either product design, niche markets, production, and you're doing that for a long time. And the backstory, uh, folks, is that, um, you know, mixed business gave him a bit of a breather. Contract came through, bit of a pause before the next job, a whole lot of things, and then there's a you had some time. And it's really what we do in that downtime that's that's important. But it's tricky because you don't want to be lazy. You don't want to be you, you, like you, you need a break sometimes, but you also need to be productive. And But you spend a lot of time just pondering where to move. And then I think what happens is then we become open to this. Like there's an openness where, you know. Definitely. Because yeah. yeah. I, I was feeling during that process, actually, I was sort of feeling quite anxious that I hadn't gotten anywhere. And um, I felt like I'd waste, I was wasting time because I felt like I should have been basically what I did was decided not to like hire more people and build a bigger company and sell, sell more. I decided I'd use the window to try to either pivot what I'm doing within my own company or even potentially explore something else complementary or entirely differently. And it took way longer than I thought it would to sort of play out, but um, it's definitely not over. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, just like there's been a few nerve-wracking moments in there that I was like, oh, my goodness, have I just pissed away an opportunity and then like put myself back to where I was before and have nothing to show for it. That's awesome. Because that's exactly like when we have this podcast, I say, I don't feel like the year's been a success. I'm in the stage that you were in earlier this year. Like I've planted some really big seeds and it's a bit Jack and the Beanstalk. If these things come off, I'm just going to have so much fun next year. But right now, it's an absolute holding pattern. I am literally pottering around waiting for specific emails to come back, but you can't hurry that person. And it, it there's a huge amount of trust. And so when you said before, like, about, um, you know, you felt like you are wasting time, That that's what the last couple of months would be and I even see the next couple of months, it, it, it has that sense of it. I know I'm making very good chess moves. I really believe I am. It's like a chess game where you see them sit and wait forever and then they just take one step and it's the right step. Previously on the show, I was talking about a, a, in an episode at one point being really frustrated because I was trying to push forward on a, a new opportunity and this with a company and they just wouldn't get back to me. Like I just couldn't get a response out of them. It was just annoying the crap out of me. And it is, it, that was one of these opportunities I was trying to pursue and I just couldn't make it move forward. And I felt I was in this position where like I'd actually put a tremendous amount of like planning into like that it was going to happen. It was going to work. And 
I'd completely forgotten about the fact that the other party would have to come to the table. And even though they said they would, they just won't. And I was like, shit. Um, well, at any rate, turns out now this is this company, like I'm their biggest competitor now. And so it, it it's almost become a bless, like hopefully a blessing in disguise, but it was like, well, geez, I'm glad I dodged that bullet. Cause if I had been, if I had moved ahead, then I'd be stuck dealing with them. So, you know, you just, you never know when you're looking back, what, you know, what an opportunity even looks like, you know, and, and, I don't know that I, I don't even have a vision for what I'm trying to move into next year in terms of um, a particular goal or a task or an outcome. I, I actually have nothing measurable right now that I'm actually feeling like I'm, but I do have some, I do want to try to get to Australia next year for a bit for business. Like I've never done that before. That's always been a goal of mine ever since I moved here. It was like, I, I always felt like if I move back to Australia, I want to do it because of business. So that would be a really big thing for me to go home and actually go there to create opportunity. But to sort of settle into two things that I feel like are on a little bit of a list for me next year. One of them is a financial goal that's about creating some level of passive income. Something that tells me that if I leave for a month and just don't do anything, there's still money that comes in. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, that's what my year has been about is trying to explore ways to create that because I was not a slave to my business, but my business was completely dependent on me and that's okay. But, um, you think everything's great and then with three kids I was like well I, I kind of feel like I need to have some level of whether it's real estate whether it's you know a new company whether it's product development patents and all kinds of different things something that has a revenue stream that happens when I'm not working um, just became of interest to me and I'm still I feel like I'm 25% of the way working through that to, cause I feel like once I experience that for the first time, I'll get it and I'll be able to continue to do it. But I will say I've never experienced that before. So that, that's a pretty big one that I just want to get behind me. Cause I've, I've done two or three efforts in my life to try to create that. And it's just never happened because it I just couldn't it's like you said earlier it's like a color you can't see and when you just can't see it just 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 so hard to experience it um so that that's one um and the other one is an interesting one and it's to do with worrying I've I feel like I worry a lot and I'd like to worry less. <laughs> wow. Oh, I, it's funny because I don't take you for that. Yeah. I don't take you for a warrior. Do you, look, worry's got that sense of um, a sense of futile rather rather than when yeah. There's other times when it's it's hard to know, wrap the right word around it actually, but 
Because is, an, is it an anxiousness? Yeah, about also, things? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I actually departed from the word anxiousness because I thought, well, maybe that's more of a cultural word for you know, full on clinical, you know, depression style, you know, kind of level anxiety. Um, I just mean I've gotten better at it, definitely, and and the kids have been a really big factor in that because I'll notice when I'm not present with them and I you know you just see how present your own kids are in their own lives and you you learn from them but I still I still carry what I feel like is a lot of baggage around of just all these little things that are just out there that I'm worried are are gonna work-wise mostly that are gonna fall to pieces on me you know, like, um, uh, you know, most of the time it's physical stuff, like things that could go wrong. And sometimes I'll find myself running numbers and going, okay, well, if this happens, you know, these are things that I might've done on a project three years ago. And I'm like, oh, that really doesn't, wasn't done the way that we would do it now. So that has a potential of a failure. If it failed, what would happen what would we have to do to fix it? What would it cost? Is there potential for, like, it's just all this bullshit stuff and nothing ever happens. <laughs> and I don't lie awake at night worrying about it. Sometimes I will, but, um, yeah, that, that's one I'd like to. Jeez, that's awesome. That's a, a great podcast topic, actually. Oh, I think you don't, you, you just don't seem to give a shit. So maybe you can tell me you're... <laughs> No, I do, I do, I do. Oh, I'm only kidding. I, do shit. I just don't give a shit about you. <laughs> Someone's like, did you text Mick back? Nah, he'll be right. Um, one of the challenges in life is we don't know where the risk is coming from. So, when you cross the road, you look left and you look right. And and in America, you look right and then left. Or, you know, and And you know where the potential risk is coming from. And when you go to a country where the road rules changed or they're on the opposite side or it's just, you know, crazy, it's in Asia or somewhere where they're, they're just a bit more liberal, the anxiety goes up because you don't know where the risk is coming from. And I think in life, when we're younger, we don't have an awareness of what could go wrong. We haven't experienced it. But then as we get older and if we, say, have a business and responsibility, the number of times that something blindsides you that, you know, you just can't possibly anticipate. It just – and – but the more we try to avoid that, I, I don't know that we actually get any closer to avoiding it. I think obviously with, say, delivering on a product or a job or in a conversation, saying the right things so that you don't upset somebody, I think we get more skilled – at full, at just uh, avoiding dumbass calamity, but I think life fundamentally, like they says in that that, that song, the um, the sunscreen song, where you know worrying is about as useful as solving algebra by chewing bubble gum, and it's sure to be something that you know gets you on an idle Tuesday, and that's true. So you try to re- like you intellectually just try to relax and say, oh well, you know doesn't matter everything's okay um but one of the one of the things i've really 
had an appreciation for in the last couple of weeks, actually, is how many negative associations that I can actually have. So, you might hear a song and it reminds you of a fight you had, say, and you just suddenly comes on the radio and you sort of, you suddenly get that sick feeling and you're having a great day otherwise, but this thing stimulated that negative. And I haven't had, obviously through life you, you do, you get this times of trauma, but I haven't had horrific things happen to me like some people have, like all the, the stuff that's going on with the um, the church and institutionalised um, um, abuse that's been happening and been uncovered in Australia. Like those people, like you just look, how do people cope when they've had something really significant blindside them because then you every time you you go to a party you know or you go to a you know those people they go to an environment where they've had some bad stuff go down that you know, obviously they're they're wary and they can't pick how to protect themselves and so i've actually had a keen awareness of that recently and when we dropped a whole lot of stuff down at the salvo it's been taking so much stuff to the salvation army recently I had a quick look around and there was this book just sitting there by Osho and it's huge. It's got to be, it's like two or three Bibles just taped together. This is a huge book. And uh, it's called, uh, I think it's 112 or 1012 Secrets or something by Osho. And I've just started reading it because it just leapt out at me for three bucks. It was a buy of a lifetime. I'm so excited. In the opening, he, he makes a really good point. He says how intellect, he says, this book is not about philosophy. It's about existentialism or something. I'm not, I'm a bit rusty on that, but basically saying philosophy is a discussion where you think it and you discuss it and you intellectually agree on something. And, and he says, and if you hear a line of thought that you don't like, you disagree until you hear a line of thought that you do like and you agree and therefore, you never need to change. So, philosophy is just intellect. It says, but really, in this book, it talks about, it says, we're looking at the how to find the answer. So, rather than giving you philosophical answers that make sense, but actually don't mean anything, then they're just ideas. We want to show you how to get to an answer. And I thought the distinction was really interesting, where if we discuss worry and we say, oh, yeah, it's because we've been blindsided and we've got too many things on our mind. That's all intellectual approach. But what he's saying is that, he, and here it's got something like 1,200 meditation techniques. Uh, and he says, you don't need to do them all. There'll be just one that'll click with you and just enjoy that. But he says, they all focus on how to get to a certain space where these other things, either the answer pops in or they don't worry you. And I thought that was really interesting for next year and for ongoingly because it's 1200 I've got a life's work here it's going to be great fun but I'm really looking forward to it you know I like that idea of saying all right well how I'm going about things how I'm solving things how I'm thinking things through needs to be radically shifted for me to have a different experience because I can intellectualize it as much as I want and he talks about how blissful it is to just live in a philosophical world because you can write a book on a topic and have never, you can write a book on building a house, but never built a house. But only the person who's built a house knows. It's just interesting because you talk about worry. I, I agree that I would like to feel less impacted by ideas that are outside of me. 
So, you know, something that could be happening somewhere, something that somebody might think, um, some disagreement. And I do think we are impacted, but I'm curious to learn that how next year. Look, we've got really good tools for this, Mick. You and I have, you know, like I've got some great tools about this for this, but you, you always want to go that next level, don't you? You want more growth. You want more pure. Mm. I think we see the best of each other too. And sometimes that's not fair or that makes you harder on yourself because you just, I create this perception that everybody else around me is got their shit together in a good space and calm and yeah. Um, and I don't feel like I'm frantic or anything, but I just like, sometimes I feel like I'm not as present as I'd like to be. Um, but I'm also acutely aware that my level of presence, my ability to identify that is way better, way better than it was like two or three years ago. You know, about a year maybe before we started this project, I was probably at a major low point on that. It was just like debilitating to be in business because I, I just, despite the fact that everything was going well, it was just not enjoyable because I, I was just freaking out on everything that I was doing. Every time I'd complete a project, I'd just start worrying about that project. And this would just continue to spiral on because whatever I would put into existence remained in existence. And I had to deal with that. <laughs> I was like, this sucks. And I'd find myself looking at all these other people's jobs and go, you know, I wish I didn't, I wish I didn't have to, you know, I wish I just didn't have to like bring things into physical existence where now I have to worry about whether they're going to go wrong or not. Yet that's what I enjoy doing so much. Um, so part of it is probably exploring my role within that. And, and, and that's partly what I feel like I've been doing is like figuring out, well, you know, maybe playing or trying to avoid certain roles within that whole effort would release me of what it is that I'm so worried about. See, I don't think that, that that's it because what you're talking about is, is really about vulnerability. We, we don't want to get hurt. We want to feel safer. And we can't, we, we can't, it's, it's an illusion. Well, it's totally vulnerability. I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of that, especially since reading Brene Brown's stuff. Like, that was why it resonated with me so much, as I'm sure everybody here that's ever read or listened to her. Because it was like, that's exactly, I was just worried about what will people think. Same with Seth Godin. It's like, you know, who do you think you are to do this? Like, there's that, that partly self-doubt, but it was just this fear of being found out, of being discovered as you don't really know. As a fraud. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's every, every, every industry. Everyone's greatest fear in their industry is to be discovered as a fraud. And it's not that we are frauds. It's just that, you know, you're backing yourself in and we're scared of that there's a they out there or someone that can come in and stomp on us and tell us we're wrong and foolish and who do we think we are and especially in, in smaller enterprise i think because you don't have uh that bigger governing body like i look at some of the organizations that big organizations say vis or the ais in my industry or say um church groups or uh psychology um um you know boards or communities or counseling or um 
or the, you know, life coaching communities, when they're part of a bigger community, you, they, they create a doctrine and we go, this is how it's done. And if you're outside of that, that, that then people, they, that as a, the, the collective will judge you. And, and if you're independent, they can just make out that you're really wrong. And you have this little conversation with yourself because you, you're like, oh, hang on, maybe I am wrong. Maybe there's, you know, because it's like with the um, the old pointing the bone at someone, the community would point the bone and say, you're going to die. And we tend to believe the way that people see us. It's so, very difficult. So, so glad you said that. Yeah, so true. Like for me, it's, it's not something to do with innovation or like being like a progressive, whatever. I, but I do feel like I've just been constantly, all the way back to working with you even, constantly being involved in elements of industries where there isn't a code there's no it's just out there and i'm sort of involved in that once again with this new company i'm dealing with a technology that nobody understands fully and there's a lot of not nervousness about it but you've got to educate people from the ground up about you know like reprogram their thinking entirely some people are like architects for 40 to 50 years and you know it's like actually deconstructing the way they think about a building and reconstructing it again and say no 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 everything you're talking about it's not wrong it's just this is a different way of looking at it and when you look at it differently all of a sudden everything changes but it's like there's no yeah uh, and the same same way with other stuff. I, I like what you're saying with that. In some ways, that's where that worriness or anxiety comes from for me because there's no there's no way for me to know whether I'm fitting into the right, like whether I'm doing it right. Mm. That's right. And that's where we, I love John Mayer's song. Am I living it right in this still verdictless life? And, and you know, it's a great line saying like that you never get said told congratulations you've lived correctly. You know, you just live another day. And and so this is where we go back to what Osho was saying about the discovering the how. The real only safety is in spirituality. And it's not in ignorant bliss. It's in 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 getting in a sense of a space of love. Oh, it's so hard unless you've experienced this as an audience. It's weird, guys. Like yeah, unless you've experienced being in a, an emotional space where you just have such love that you're just not bothered by things and you, nothing, nothing, everything's okay. Like I've spoken about before that time, I was in such a good space. The guy clipped me on the chin in a basketball game in a bloody aggressive way. And I, I just laughed and gave him a hug <laughs> and, there's, and said, come on, mate. And in other days, I would have clipped him right back. <laughs> and it was the same experience, but a different space. And, and uh, I had a couple of years ago after I got that hug from Armour, I was in a beautiful space for nearly two years. And I was excited to find this book because I find that once I've used one method, I'm not good at using it again. You know, you're sort of exhausted. It's like if you get into rollerblading, you know, you got into rollerblading as a kid. You don't really want to do it as an adult except for like 20 minutes, you know, and that was fun. You know, you look for the, now we're using, you know, Zumba class or something. We evolve what our fitness regime is. So... That's where you talk about the less worry. I, I do think that so much of this is about your capacity to quieten the mind and then to allow 
beautiful thought in beautiful direction because I often find like, for example, at the start of the year when you were trying to get that goal to work, you try to get that, you know, get the company to be in, in, in some sort of relationship with you. There was an anxiety and there was a frustration. We talked about it off air or on, I'm not sure. But um, really, if we can get to a good space, there's a sense of allowing, saying, well, I've played my role in it. And, you know, I talk about this with this cast group that I run and we were talking about how, and the coaching course I just ran as well, about how important it is to just be able to, the, the great ideas, the great clarity comes in times when you're not trying. You know, you're in the shower and it just pops in. And so how do you allow that to happen more often? And the more we can quieten the mind, the more we can have those steps come. And I really, I would like that to be much more of my life next year. Um, but I also like a lot more of the, the, the significant feedback and growth. Um, like I'm, there is good feedback, but yeah, like larger strides. And I think it's right what you were saying before about that, you know, that feel like you're wasting time. I feel like I'm wasting time, but I look at what the chess moves are and it feels lame to just sit and wait for another chess move but or someone else to play, make their move. But sometimes that's life. But you don't want to be lame, though. You don't want to be sitting there just, you know, being lazy. Um, and, you know, I've got ways to navigate through that, but still it's the conversation in your head. Constantly. You're dead on with the spirituality related. Um, for, for a while, I think, from since really talking to you, you've been sort of referencing the fact that I think you were in a conversation with Ryan about um, uh, that some show or program, like all of the people, the one consistency they had was that they all meditated, and that's been hitting me from every direction. Just how many people that potentially we perceive as being successful at least have that consistent thread um so you know maybe that's a more of a tangible goal to for me to put in place into next year is exploring that a little bit more because i've never really had a meditation practice that i've been consistently doing at, at all that's a conversation for another day maybe i'm not sure you got me thinking like I, you know when we hopped on to talk about this topic i yeah i wasn't sure what i thought about the year which is, which i can intellectually hear is is a bit ridiculous based on what i managed to to do this year like, because when you work for yourself, you don't have holiday pay or sick leave. So, when I'm away for three and a half months overseas, I have to earn the rest enough money to do that in the other, whatever is it, you know, eight and a half, nine months or whatever it works out to be. So, yeah, so they're, they're good things. But then, then the question goes, well, I really like what you said right at the start of this. You said, like, well, you know, you indirectly said it was like, well, what would it take for it to be an amazing year? That's a really... Interesting question, because I think if that's not clear, it's harder. And I think what I've probably experienced this year is having an awesome year that was unexpected compared to, you know, like it wasn't really ticking off, but it was, but it was probably ticking off goals that I had two years ago. It was just delayed. Robin's always says, you know, we overestimate what we can achieve in one year, but we underestimate what we can achieve in 10. 
I still feel like it's interesting what you said too about, you know, you, you, you don't like building these things that you can touch or see and then having the anxiety of maybe they're not built well enough. But and I'm going, I'm, I'm the other way. Like I know that you like doing that, but then there's also a consequence of it. I, I'm actually getting to the point where I'd prefer to build something that I can see and touch. Much, much prefer because I've got this new business model I've been working on, which I'll talk about once it's sort of a bit further down the track. Because when we booked in the um, event to do next year, the huge Livemore event, I, I had to pull the plug on that because what happened is I crunched the numbers. It added up financially, but it, at first, but it didn't add up where you're going to get the people from. And I did some. I got some inside information onto some other events that run similar only to find out that they had really unusual back ends where people had injected a huge amount of money to get them off the ground. So it looks like a movement's happened. It looks like suddenly everybody's going to this incredible seminar or conference or uh, event. But in actual fact, the amount of money that gets poured into the back end just to get people to turn up, I was like, oh, it didn't add up. And that was frustrating because I was investing a lot of effort in time into moving that project forward only to discover well I'm glad I discovered before I launched it that it just didn't like I did spreadsheets like I've never done them before um just didn't add up and so now I'm excited about a new model for next year like a new a new business model but but I, I like the idea of building something that can grow bigger than me you get the moment a lot of it revolves around my competency, but I'd love it if it didn't. I'd love it if it just, I'd love it if it didn't require just my competency. Hmm. You know, I want to like it build. Yeah. It's something you can see or touch. And I still love the idea of having a venue, but um, yeah, a few things have got to fall into place to do that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think in some ways we're talking about the same thing too in terms of being completely dependent upon your own personal, like your own competencies. Um, you know, part of it for me is like I think I'd be okay with putting things into the world that have to exist if they exist without moving parts. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're talking about bricks. You want to make bricks. Chairs, bricks, tables, framing, whatever, but... Uh, when you've got things that turn on and off and sometimes work or sometimes don't, well, whatever. It, it's like this, it's like you're building ghosts or some kind of crazy machine with a mind of its own sometimes. But I digress, but I, I get what you mean. Like sometimes like I... Um, by the way, I'm just still aware that if I was just building chairs, okay, we get really good at building chairs. I could know the chair can be made for this amount of money. We just crank them out, but there's still going to be other unknowns anyway. I'm never going to truly know what the market is for the chairs. I could, and and I'd have to manage people to build them. Like I couldn't, like there's just, I know that no matter where I turn my focus to, there's always something that becomes a new challenge that I'm not going to enjoy. And I try to really appreciate that, right? Like just appreciate the fact that I, I could potentially work half the year on my business. Like just, I can't work, take six months off, but like I don't have to be every hour of the day 
um, and, and I can survive. I don't make a great living doing that, but I can survive. And so it's like I have to remind myself that like that would be okay. That would be a, a great life if I choose to live it. And just that anything more than that is a choice I have to be aware of that I don't have to build a huge company and I don't have to bring on more employees and have a factory and all these other things. Um, and so partly, you know, we weren't sure about partnerships. I mean, that's really partly what I was exploring a, a little bit too. And now that I'm involved with other partners in a company, I can kind of pick and choose the thing that I'm strong on. I mean, you, have, you still have to do everything, but you know, you can still, be gone for two days and come back and there's progress. <laughs> it's quite a refreshing feeling. I haven't had that in a long time. So Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I had a um moving towards the end of our discussion, I don't feel like I'm a lot clear on the year, although I do like what you said about the time thing, about the you know, you feel like you're wasting time because that's where I'm at and I, you you've helped me recognise that I'm just in a in a phase where you know the things just haven't come to fruition really. So uh, I've just helped you clarify you are wasting time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing that felt really good that's just started to happen this year is that when I released Parenting Freakability, Borders, who was the big book distributor here at the time, went under the same day I released. And they'd pre-ordered 5,000 copies. And that meant that I got left with 5,000 copies of Parenting Freakability which we'd printed, but then, like, I, 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 I got unlucky. You know, maybe sometimes people don't understand that. Like, you, you write a book, I financed the, the marketing, I financed the printing and all the time, and then who would know that on the day we release, the major book distributor is going to go under and I am on national television and a whole lot of places, a whole lot of radio stations, and there's only 300 books in distribution across the country. What a disaster. But there is a uh, rainbow at the bucket of gold at the end of the rainbow or something like that. You know, some positive comment goes in there. Because what I've actually started to do is there's quite a few schools where they're in underprivileged environments, and I've actually started to give them to those schools or or say they can have as many as they want. And they're actually putting them into their parent evenings and handing out these books and, and, and utilizing them and resourcing demographics that perhaps haven't had awesome role models, because a lot of these kids are coming from really, they come from pretty rough backgrounds and it felt awesome to start to put this in place where you know, families who really have gotten, you know, mums and dads that have had crap mums and dads uh, can just read through the stories of other families and hear how they taught their kids goals or taught their kids to be, you know, character and to be proud or to navigate pressure and can have, can actually guide their kids with better strategies. Um, that's been a, a massive win for this year. That That just... It just felt awesome when I finally realized that was what to do with these books. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. It's a sunken cost, isn't it? So you may as well do something good with them rather than having them sit in your living room or wherever. Yeah. You know? um, yeah, yeah, because they take up space and, and they take up too much space. And 
you know, yeah, and it's like, what do you do with them? That's one of the challenges in business once you've, you've, uh, and you, you know, if you just take them, if you just donate them to libraries, they're just going to gather dust. Yeah, but when you put them in the hands of the people that know how to put them in the hands of the right yeah. people, it's that's yeah. smart, it makes a lot of, yeah, and it feels really good actually. And, so, and it's kind of cool because it's almost like having a business card that somebody hands out if it's like they've got five copies of your business card and they're giving it out to people and those people then give it back to them and they're just constantly reminded of you and so it's a pretty interesting way to keep top of mind um mind you i'm in demographics that may not be able to uh you know, like, yeah, you, you're right. You do. I just, I just mean, I just mean, like, it's not that the people that are reading you may contact and get business from that. I'm just saying that the organisations that are handing them out are more likely to call you and say, "Can you come talk to our team or whatever?" And it may be minor, but it's still, it's just really nice to think that you know that there's some longevity to that. Um, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely true. It just, it just feels good to, like, we go back that love. Actually, it feels good to be making impact hmm. and the flip when, side to that too hmm. is the upper demographic that probably needs it even more you know like that episode we just talked about a few episodes ago of like the the um failure um the gift of failure imagine how many parents and, and kids are out there that would love to restructure that relationship with either their teachers their coaches or their parent to to like release a little pressure or or increase it whichever way it is but yeah it's yeah you're mm. right you're right maybe i'll broaden the offer to more schools if you're a teacher listening you can get in touch via our risking failure web page or dobbo and um yeah so that's been a good win this year mm. um we didn't do as many podcasts this year we didn't did we it's pretty hard when i'm overseas so much <laughs> I probably wasn't really uh, a helpful, um, yeah, component for yeah. sure. Um, we made it. Our timing was shit this year because you would be away and then you'd get back and then I'd be gone for a week or two. And it was just like you'd be disappeared for four weeks and you'd come back and I'm like, I'm sorry, I got to go away. So it would be like six or seven weeks sometimes. And then we try to, what, record three or four all in the space for a short period of time. Yeah. So, are we um we like we're doing it again next year? Of course, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you think? <laughs> no, I do think. Oh, I definitely think. I think that um, I really enjoy this project a lot. It's 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 um something I have to think through very deliberately because I I record during the daytime, so I, I sort of almost lose a day, um you know during the week, which. It's not, it's not a loss, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, from a practical point of view, some days, uh, you know, I have to think it through. So, when, I, when I'm when i on air, I'm really deliberate. I'm choosing this 100%. I think um, I was wondering just today, actually, at what point our listeners just don't want to listen to us anymore. And that may not actually matter. I was thinking about the podcast I listen to. And I've gone through a patch the last couple of months where I haven't listened to any podcast. My brain's just been too full with other stuff that I just didn't need to hear one other bit of idealism. 
I have. I definitely you know, go through those so much. Phases. What's that? Yeah, I've been going through those phases. I've been talking to a lot of other people that listen to podcasts too, and they you go through this period of just yeah. purging and like nothing, you know. Yeah, it's it's 100%. So I've been listening and and I I go through, you know, there's been so much uncertainty in my world. I didn't need another thing that I should be putting in place. So <laughs> I just I just was putting things in place, you know, bum down, head up or whatever it is, head down, bum up. And um and I was like, well, if I don't listen consistently, you know, I wonder how our listeners go at what point do you know they probably disappear for a while and they come back for a bit mm-hmm. and and you part <laughs> pretty, of the discussion about pretty much what so, we do <laughs> yeah which is what we do we, we literally <laughs> do to our own podcast yeah i just wondered you know if we do it again next year which i really want to because it's so valuable for us to chat like we do but, um i wonder if if this project gains momentum that is there's more listeners or if listeners drop away and there's, and we're just left with the five people that <laughs> we know. <laughs> you know, like that. That's like it'd be nice if this was a project where more and more people wanted to be involved in the conversation. Yeah, but we're not, we're not getting the feedback that that's what's going on. And like the downloads are consistent, mm-hmm. but I wonder. I just wonder. That's what I was thinking about today. I've always been aware of the fact that podcasting is not, you know, we've talked about it, it's not a medium that people routinely engage in feedback on. And I have to remind myself because, you know, you can look at someone like Tim Ferriss or Pat Flynn, who's a really big name in podcasting, and you can look at one of their podcast episodes and like, holy shit, man, they got like 138 comments. And then you're like, well, they've got like two to three million listeners. And that's the ratio of comments to 3 million listeners. I was like, that's actually really shit. <laughs> it's almost like he gave a speech in front of 3 million people and everybody walked out and didn't talk about it. Like, <laughs> That's what it feels like, yeah. Like there's a hundred people. They all just walked out. Bought a CD. <laughs> they didn't even. <laughs> yeah. They didn't buy a CD. They just said, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Thanks for the show. That was great. Um, you're a little bit flat tonight. But, um, yeah, and half those comments probably aren't even positive. Uh, yeah. This was no good. How come how, how come the podcast notes aren't up live yet? Yeah. <laughs> what was wrong with your audio this week? I know. Yeah, yeah. Mick but, was a bit off. Yeah. But I think, um, yeah, look, I've often wondered that too. And I, I think at the end of the day, uh I don't know. I, I, I think it's a good project for us to be doing anyway. So that, that, that's a plus. Um, I think we both seem to grow from it, but I, I know what you mean. Like there is time, especially on your end that you dedicate to it. Um, but I, I just don't know that I want it to turn into a, you know, something that becomes measurable with a commercial element to it mm. anyway. I would like a bit more focus Next year, not that I noticed it until the second, but, you know, as we're talking about the things that we'd like to get out of next year where you're talking about the passive income and the worry less and I'm thinking about the the really be deliberate about getting into that that mental space, that emotional space, spiritual space, and also building something um, that you can see, that you can touch and expand. It'd be nice to take that on a journey for a year 
and maybe spend the next couple of weeks thinking that through, working out what that actually looks like Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe even quarterly, just checking in with that quarterly. I think that sounds pretty interesting and, you know, yeah, we'll figure out how to go about doing it. But that seems pretty interesting to me. Maybe there's some other elements too that, um, you know, since something like worry and passive income are so two completely different things, uh, there's not too much overlap there. And there's probably some other things as well that when I really think about it would, would probably be, want to be on the list too. Um, yeah, totally. So, uh, yeah, I agree. That's why if we, if we give ourselves a few weeks just to like over the break, just to flush it out a little bit. And, uh, this year I won't head off overseas for the entire period of January, but I think that'd be, you know, we talked about the next year we probably do is new year's resolutions in a way, like that's what comes around next. So now our show can be like the year ahead and you know, if there's other people out there listening and want to jump on that idea of checking in quarterly in some way, um, write us your goals, send them in and what you want your year to be like. And we can, um, we can refer to them and get you to contact us quarterly as well. And, you know, like there's a whole community of people could be doing this. And I run those communities already, you know, like where we sit in and we workshop everyone's goals regularly and it's really fun. Um, and if you're a mortgage broker, you want to get in touch because that's, there's a new group getting set up for brokers next year. Yeah, like it could definitely be a community thing, but that's you and I do that. That would feel good if like quarterly or something, we were just looking at that and and sort of like little check marks. Yeah. Well, I guess this is when we say Merry Christmas, mate. Yeah, Merry Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful time with your family and wearing your, you know, wearing your shirts this year. Not wearing the shirts this year, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there's, yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we, we always wear Hawaiian shirts, but it's always been with the Dobson side of the family. And this year, things have shifted and we're spending Christmas with the other side of the family. And it's just a big change and uh, a big change. And we also lost a member of our family this year. And uh, it it just a lot of change. Oh, God, a lot of change this year. And uh, yeah, so, but maybe, maybe I'll still find a reason to bust it out. Maybe when I'm just. <laughs> well, enjoy your 33 degree weather, you son of a bitch. Mate. <laughs> I can't talk. I uh, got to put some more suntan oil on. All right. Mate, always a pleasure. Have the best Christmas ever. And remember, Christmas is all around you. Uh... Uh, so just let it snow. <laughs> Something like that. Billy Mack going to... And now we're going to... Pushing for number one. Trying to beat Blue for number one. It's Billy Mack with (laughs) Christmases all around us. See you later, mate. See you, everybody. Merry Christmas. You've been listening to Risking Failure. To join the community and access more free content, news and updates... Subscribe at riskingfailure.com.